many people know that to be true. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now for this time. We, your people, come to your table to be fed. We pray, God, that you would open up the ears of our understanding and help us, Lord God, to walk this Christian walk better than we did on yesterday. We thank you for grace, and we thank you for mercy. So, God, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This will be the last driving point discussion to really give us an idea on how we need to actually walk this. Amen? says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Anybody been learning anything? These last couple of weeks? Has anybody been applying what we've been learning? How many can agree that change is scary? Even when it's positive, change is scary. How many want spiritual freedom? How many, how many people want spiritual freedom? How about emotional freedom? My wife did a wonderful job teaching class this morning. Amen. And a lot of things that are going to be talked about this morning really just drive home the points that we're going to make on today. God has made provision for us to be spiritually and emotionally free. But we have to understand that with freedom, it always requires change. And, and most spiritual people, and most people, period, resist change. Because change is change. <laughs> It's our nature because we get we get nervous when we have to change things. I, I was I was sharing this morning and I was like, it, I didn't want to be. No, nobody wakes up in their right mind and wants to be drug addicted. You didn't wake up and you just ended up like you were. Certain choices, and some of the choices we make get us trapped. And you could be trapped so long in something, or even in a way of thinking, that you lose your identity in the trap. And you begin to think that that is you. And even though you want to be free from it, you know it's going to take change. You think the change is going to kill you. And so, what a lot of people do, and what I found myself doing,
was creating, creating walls and creating safety nets to keep my trap safe. Because if I don't protect my struggle, I just might get free from my struggle. Then who am I? That means I have to get to know me all over again. Even if the old me was crazy. Look at the look at the person next to you say the old you was crazy. You know that, right? Yeah, you was crazy. We gotta keep our eyes on the on the reward of positive change, right? That's that's the important. It's like it's like going into a room. You ever you ever clean up your house? <laughs> Look at your neighbors and say, I hope so. All right. <laughs> but like I'm not talking about just clean. Like 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 me, I I'm I hope I'm not O C D with it. Sometimes I could be, but like you you need things in their certain spot. Like I won't lose my mind if they're not there. But I'll come and I'll just go to putting stuff in certain spot. That's straightening up. Right? So so like your house could be like like out of order, but it's not dirty. Right? There's a difference between dirty and just messy. Right? But if you ever had a room where you just, you like you clean up, but everything that you clean go to that room, and you shut that door on that room, because the whole house is really clean, but if anybody ever opened that door to that room, but then you decide, you have to mentally make up in your mind that this week, I'm not doing anything but that room. And so you go in that room and you empty it out and then you have to you have to dust and you have to really clean because you find all kind of stuff in that room. That's that's what change is biblically. It's like you you have to you get a lot of stuff out, but then you find out there's a lot of dust. There's a lot of dirt and there's a lot of other cleaning stuff that you gotta do. So so I'm gonna give y'all some steps. We're gonna talk to each other today. Hey Amen. We got a little time. I'm going to give you five steps, five vital steps to spiritual and emotional healing. All right? And it's brief. And we could talk about each one of them briefly because we don't want to, we don't, we want to be out of here by four. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> we can get out of here by two. Amen? All right. So, and if you want to, if you, I hope this wets your whistle to, to come, come to Bible study. Because this is where, this is where we get to have these conversations. Right? First step is the reality step. Somebody say reality. That's that's the step in order for change to happen, to be emotionally and spiritually free, you gotta come to a reality step. This is the step where you realize that you are not God. All right? You have to be willing to admit that in in and of yourself you are powerless to control the tendency to do wrong things. You ever said you're not going to do that and did it? That did let you know you are not God. Because you had every intention on not doing that. And it don't got to be that crazy. It could be, I, I'm, just, I'm not going to eat that piece of cake. 
two hours later, nothing but crumbs. Right? We be calling on the Holy Ghost just not to eat cake. Jesus, if you don't come now, So we have to come to the reality, and, and that's a self-examination. That's like, listen, I really got to be willing to look at myself. And change hurts because change means I have to look at me. We much rather look at everything everybody else needs to change rather than look at ourselves and what we need to change. Anybody agree, disagree? Anybody want to say something about it? No? So you, it's pretty simple, right? Reality check. That's the step. Then after you move from the reality step, you got to move to the hope step. Hope. Hope. You have to earnestly believe that God exists. Because he can't reward those who don't believe that he is. Now, this may sound elementary to us because we're Christians. But I'm going to say something that might get you to write on that little square because you might want to ask a question after I make this statement. We call ourselves Christians. We hope in God. We say we believe God exists. But do we really believe God exists? Because I would challenge you to say that when we do things we know we have no business doing, we can chalk it up to just our flesh if we want. But it really has to do with a belief system. Because if we really believe that God was in the room, well, if we were doing whatever it was we were doing. See, I could shut God off in a spiritual sense because he's not in the room with me. But listen, if I was getting, sitting there about to get high and Jesus just walked through the wall and popped up, I probably wouldn't smoke whatever it was I was going to smoke. Or do whatever it was I thought I was going to do at that moment. Because Jesus was physically in the room. Right? That's why you can't wait to get teenagers. That's why you can't wait to get older and become an adult. Because you don't want to get a... You, you very rarely have said, anybody in this room has, has very rarely... You got a couple of special people that might have said, I can't wait till I get grown so I can start paying my own bills. I, I mean, I can't wait to move out of this house so I can start being responsible. Man, I can't wait to get out of here so I could go to the club when I want. I could drink when I want. I could. What? You wanted to get out of that house 
so you could party because because you couldn't do what you wanted to do in front of your parents Ooh. And most of us don't want to come in contact with God because of the, the, the reality and the hope step of I got to believe he exists, which means I got to change because I can't do what I want to do if I really believe that God is who he is. You got to understand that you matter to him and that he has the power to help you to recover from any change that you're going to have to go through. He knows we have to change. The third one is very important. The control step. <laughs> you have to consciously choose to commit all of your life to the will of Christ and his control. That's a problem. Because for most of us, we want to be in control. That's why when... When men preachers preach, wives, submit to your husbands, about half of the women check out mentally. Because in your mind, you believe submit means I have to yield control of my life and its destiny to a man. And I'm not letting no man control me. Oh, it done got quiet. Y'all ain't got no, I'm sure y'all got some questions now. But I want to tell you, sister, girlfriend, that if you can't let a man control your life, how are you letting God control it? And you have to have the examining step. You have to openly examine and confess your faults to yourself, to God, and to someone that you trust. This is if you want to be spiritually and emotionally free. Now, we, we confess to God good. And some of us can really confess to ourselves that we ain't no good. But it's that other people thing we got a problem with. Because I don't want to tell you about my faults. Because I can't trust you. I can't trust that you're not going to take what I tell you and tell her. Now I don't like her. But you do. Do you know we pick who we trust by who other people are acquainted with. <laughs> like, I really want to tell you something, but I know your friends. So we stay locked up in the, in the prison of not transforming. 
Because if you ever really, really want to get free, you don't care who knows. That's why you, 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 I could share my testimony about crack all day long. I have no problem with it. Because I found out that crack really wasn't the issue. I don't want to stand up, but uh, see, crack was the issue, was, was a surface issue, but it was a root issue that led to the crack. And I can't tell too many people about my root issue. And a lot of people in church don't have surface issues because we know how to do church. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. Well, if you're blessed all the time, why you always got people praying for you? Why you always need prayer? But you're blessed. What exactly am I praying about? Don't worry about it. God got it. That's a, that's a problem because the fact of the matter is, so we can't see a lot of the issues that we, we don't see pride. We don't see jealousy. We can't really see anger, frustration. We can't see them. So you can hide them. You don't, you, you can dress them up and that's, that's not good. So we have to really, we have to be able to trust somebody. There needs to be somebody you can be accountable to in your transformation process. And and it's 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 good and fine to have you know like I I have my bro- y'all heard me share I got you know my brother Sean you know and and even that God had to deal with me on that because he's a good brother and I could trust him but he's in Jersey there's a little safety to that because you you really should be able to have somebody that's really a lot closer. See, as a body of Christ, we've been called to be a part of each other's transformation process. But we can't help each other transform because we won't be transparent with one another. And we don't trust one another. You trust more people on your job than you do in the, that's sitting on your row. So they know more about you than your church family. But they have not been ordained nor anointed to be part of your spiritual change. So if you can't come in the church and be real, then how fake are you really outside this church? And I, and I will stick to and put money on, if I was a betting man, that the reason why a lot of us are afraid to evangelize our friends to bring them in is because you don't want your friends to know your business. Somebody say change hurts. It's not easy. So we have to have the reality step, the hope step, the control step, the examination step, 
and that we have to have the submission step. We have to voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in our life and ask him to move it out of our character defects. Which brings me to the next point. What is a character defect, and where do they come from? Because if we're going to change, we've got to be able to identify. The, the character of a person is a description of a person's attributes, traits, and abilities. Do you have any abilities? Do you know your gifts? How many people in here know what they have? Okay. So we got, how many of you, let me ask this question. How many people in here don't know what they have? Okay. Don't know. Like you don't know what you have. All right. You need to know, everyone sitting under the sound of my voice, that God never makes an empty vessel. He never created anything without purpose. So just because you don't know what it is doesn't mean you don't have it. You could be afraid to use it, and you might be afraid to identify it. But you have it. Amen? If you didn't, God would not let you rob me of breath. Catch that. Because every breath we take, we're taking oxygen. He wouldn't let your empty self rob me of another breath. So you have purpose. Somebody say, I have purpose. But you have you don't only have abilities, you have traits, and you have attributes. You have some stuff in you, like I got in me, that are defective. Now, where do they come from? Anybody want where do they come from? Bible study. Where do your character defects come from? Did somebody shout something up? Help me. Habits. What else? Generational curses. What else? Think about yourself and think about what's wrong with you and shout out where that came from. Childhood roots. We're trying to help each other here because we, we're not going to preach three weeks on the same thing and you don't know, huh? environment, your culture, your nature. We all been born with what? A sin nature. Nobody had to be taught how to, how to lie, right? Cute little baby Steve. First thing he, what, did you eat the cookie? No. Stuff all over his face. Or we blame. Genetics explain predisposition, tendencies, but genetics don't excuse sin. Example, laziness may be in your family history, but that doesn't excuse it in your own life. 
You could be addicted. You could have. Do you know? I, I don't went through a lot of drug programs and a lot of counselors and sat me down and they would tell you, you know, um, they want your family history. Why? Because oh, you were just bound to be an addict. The devil is a liar. It's just some stuff that you just couldn't help. Thank you. I'm going to go keep getting high because there was nothing I could do about it. It just had to be that way. Well, diabetes running my family. That don't mean you got to die from it. Break the curse. Right? Um, you need to understand this. I, I almost got ahead of myself. <laughs> this is what, listen to this. A character defect can come from your circumstances and can come from your background. But you can't nurture them. Or they grow. And character defects are often attempts to fill unmet needs. unmet needs. They're often positive qualities that are being used in the wrong way. Paul had a lust and a zeal for the things of God. But he was taught wrong. So he thought when he was persecuting Christians and going all out rogue, he thought he was actually working for God. He did it ignorantly and unbelief. And then God said, wait a minute, this boy is so on fire. I can't even get nobody. None of, watch this. None of my disciples have enough zeal to convict Paul. I'm going to have to come back down and talk to this brother. He was brought in out of due time. Like, who, who is this talking to? It wasn't going to be Peter. It wasn't going to be. It is I, Jesus. Why are you kicking? And Jesus transformed his life, and he went about that same zeal with doing what he did for God. So could it be that what we've been learning in our life to have so much to be a defect is actually a positive trait that God wants to use for his glory? You heard it preached all the time. You can, you have a gift, right? And I'm not singling Kelly out, but I saw your name. You have a gift to organize. You have a gift of order. You have a gift of administration. If you can do that well and excel in the corporate world, you have to ask God, how does that translate into my church home? So that the body of Christ can benefit from what I have. That's what has to happen. Because some people can see your ability to administrate in that way as a defect. Wow. I didn't know it was going to be this quiet. All right, so I'm almost, I'm almost there. I got questions. Bible study, don't listen to talk to me. All right, good. 
All right, so we understand we got character defects. Your mama, your, your mama, your daddy, we got history. So, there are some, it, it's funny though, because there are some things that can be passed down that you have to identify where they came from and break them. You are a lot like your parents. Right? You're, you're, when I get grown, I'm going to never be like my mama. I ain't going to be. It, it, there's some things you want. There's some things you don't want. Right? Maybe. And it's always the stuff that you didn't want you ended up getting. I, I thought I'd never be like this, say this and be like this or whatever it was. But it happens. Like David, the same sins that David did, Solomon did. Generationally, even with Abraham. Abraham lied about Sarah being, it did the same stuff. You read, you read the Old Testament. They did the, there was nothing new. They kept repeating everything that was going on. That's, that's, that's amazing, right? So let's talk. Why is it so hard to change him then? Why is it so hard to change? First of all, you had him too long. Right? How long have you been doing this? And not only have you had him too long, you identify with him. It's just me to be this way. If you can't take me, I'm dead. I've been like this all my life. Why do I have to change for you? And the question is, if I get rid of this, will I still be me? If I stop being angry all the time and actually start being nice, who is that? Well, well, I, I'm just gonna keep it real, right? Ain't that—that's the culture now, right? I'm keeping it 100. And your 100 is always minus zero. Character defects, sometimes they have an instant payoff, but they're cheap imitations. It's sort of like the difference between a genuine product and a knockoff. I'm going to mess you up right here. I stopped buying sneakers at the flea market when I tried to run and the whole soul came off. And somebody, somebody said, somebody had some Jordans from the flea market. Said I ain't never seen Michael Jordan do that, do that position right there. And they look. <laughs> right, right. Charles, you had that Range Rover, right? There's a difference between the leather and the Range and all, and the Nissan, right? Yeah, there's a difference between the leather, right? So the authentic costs more, but the authentic 
last longer. And when you talk about change, there's a lot of people in, in Christianity walking with Christ who are cheap knockoffs. of an authentic product. If you're not representing Christ, that's why Christ said, I'm not going to deal with knockoffs. That's, that's biblical. He, he said, the, the people said, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we witness in your name? Didn't we save in your name? He said, get away from me. I know you not. Because you got a lot of people doing the work, but they're not authentic. And God is looking for authenticity. And so when it comes to being a transformed person, a person with a renewed mind, it is a new way of thinking. It means I have to be willing to change. And I cannot, I cannot fake my change. You want the change to be real. Another reason why it's so hard to change the character defects is because Satan knows that if you really do change, you become a threat to his kingdom. And he will, uh, he, he's okay with you being a flea market Christian. And he, he, will do, he will do anything to keep you from the fiery darts that are talked about in Ephesians. He'll, he'll, he'll accuse you, right? He'll make you think you're not worthy to change. He'll make you think because not a good man falls seven times. He didn't say you wouldn't be perfect, but transformation is a process. We don't change overnight. And so because it's a process, then he'll, he'll come every time we fall short. He'll say, look, I told you, you still, you still was that. But you have to jump right back on the wheel. You have to continue in the process, which brings me to one more of my points, that you have to cooperate with the process of change. Right? And this is how we're going to end this. A few things. I'm gonna, somebody say, how do we do that? Because that's what we want to know, right? How do I cooperate with how God is changing my life? So 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18 says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit, spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Here's the first thing about change. We have to focus on changing one defect at a time. Somebody say that's good news. Because Proverbs 17, 24 says it like this. Wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. It also is translated as an intelligent person aims at a wise action. But a fool starts off in many directions. It just simply means that you have to focus on what, when, when you enter into a transformation process with God, you have to say, God, what is it that we're working on now? Where am I at today, right? 
Like, like, like I told you, y'all know it was, I remember when I got delivered, it was like, oh God, deliver me. He, he delivered me. And no more smoking crack. But I was still smoking Newports. And so I said, well, you're you not delivered if you're not. you you still smoking the cigarettes. No, no, well, I thank God for the way he delivered you. That at one snap of his, everything was gone. You ain't drink, you ain't cuss, you ain't smoke, you ain't slap, you ain't whatever. What? But for some people, you know, when I touched the, the TV when Kenneth Hagin was preaching, y'all ain't going to say nothing. Everything didn't disappear for me. So it took a little while. Now, I, I was struggling for quite a while with them cigarettes. Right, Kendrick? Stop smoking them cigarettes. Thus saith the Lord, Kendrick, one cigarette at a time. <laughs> Listen. But, it, but it's one. Yeah, they, why are you smoking them? Well, if, if you gave me the same strength to get, get over the crack, now I need you to put down the cigarettes. I'm not going to come take your cigarettes. So he's like, okay, don't buy a pack. So I stopped buying a pack. Then I started buying Lucy's. And then he says, don't buy 10 Lucy's no more just because you might as well buy a pack because now it doesn't seem monetarily smart for me to buy 10 Lucy's when a pack, I could just get 20. But he said, okay, don't buy them. Just get, today, only have two cigarettes. And then soon, it was, now just smoke half. Then I stopped getting, why am I even smoking half? If I don't need that, I don't need these. Gone. Sometimes you got to take it one. See, you get saved, and you think it's going to be, bam, I'm transformed. I'm new. No, I looked at my hands, and my hands was new. Liar. You got the same hands. And the same feet. If you had corns before you got saved, you're going to have them after. And you got to take it one, some people got to take it one minute at a time. He said, one day at a time. Sometimes, it, for me, it was one hour at a time. Good. I didn't get high this hour. Next hour, I made it through three hours. I made it, I made, listen, what? I, you got to start praising God for the inches. Come on, y'all. Help me right here. You got to start thanking God that, listen, okay, how many times did I cuss this week? Praise ye the Lord. Only once. I, I remember, I couldn't remember how many times I cussed. Oh, what? To God be the glory for the wonderful things he has done. One defect at a time. Then when that's gone, he going to show you something else. Because look at your neighbor and say, you still ain't sweet. No, because just because you got that, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Everybody in here, there is something wrong with you. And you're going to be working on it until Jesus comes. But the, the blessing is I'm working on it. So you have to focus on you have to focus on changing one defect at a time. You have to focus on one victory at a time. 
He said, give us this day our daily bread. All you have is today. So all you need to worry about, sufficient for the day is the trouble. Make it through this day. Be nice today. Thank God today. So a lot of us rob our transformation from happening because we are so focused on what's going to happen tomorrow. When tomorrow is not even promised. What about now? And then you have to focus on God's power, not your willpower. You're not going to will change. Everybody that, anybody that's ever been on a diet know that willpower is not going to work. It's easy for you to lose weight if you can't cook. Or if you with somebody that can't cook. But if you're blessed like me, you could be thinking, I'm not eating today until you open that door and you can smell the food outside the house. Like, well, maybe today ain't the day I'm thinking about fasting and we'll fast tomorrow. Why is it every time you want to fast, they cook the best food? They don't never cook what you don't like when you fast. Which means, last thing, and we're going to close it. Two more points. I got 10 minutes. Look, I told you. Since y'all don't want to talk to me. All right. So you focus on God's power, not yours. Understand that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? So it's not going to be that hard. It may hurt. And which brings us to this point. You got to focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. Focus on what you want. Not on what you don't want. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Did you catch that? So what do they? That's, that's the discernment test on transforming your mind. All you have to do is memorize this scripture and say, is it true? Okay, it's true. But, is it honest? Can I go a little deep? Can we handle just a little deep? Wouldn't you think if it was true, it was honest? Bible study. Deacon Derek, if it's true, is it honest? Wouldn't make sense, right? If I'm being honest with you, that means I'm being without false, right? Without so it would be true. But everything that's true is not honest. I'm gonna use I'm gonna use me. 
so I'm you picture this now. Sixteen years ago, seventeen years ago. I'm in a place I don't need to be, right? I'm in a house getting high. True. I'm 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 a crack addict. True. Everybody came up to you and said, this is where he was, this is what he was doing. You would say that's true. But is he that? That's not honest. Because only God knows the end from the beginning. So even though it may be true, doesn't mean it's honest. Because if you would have told me I'd be here preaching to you today, 18 years ago, I'd say you were lying. So God's saying, I need you to weigh it against if it's true, if it's honest, but is it just? Now, just brings in, brings in judgment because now nobody in here has a right to judge anybody. So your judgment would not be just. Even if it was true. Ooh. And not only that, it has to be pure. The only one pure is God. Because whatever your whatever your eyes are gonna see as true and honest, and then you have to figure it's just, he says, now let me let me raise the bar. Cause some of y'all might think you got all that on lock. I'm going to bring in pure because you cannot make any judgment purely because every judgment you make is going to come from a defected vessel. You're not looking through it through eyes of purity. Because if I do something that's true, you're going to weigh it by what happened to you probably when you was two. So you're not pure. And a lovely, good report. Pretty much he's telling you this. If you want to think on anything, just think on Jesus. Because pretty much you can't think on anything else. Because these all identify him in no, no situation or no person. So we have to focus on what, now what I want. On what I want. I want to be changed. I want to be changed into the image of Christ. Last point. You got to focus on doing good, not feeling good. Oh, lost everybody else. If you want to be changed, you got to focus on doing good, not feeling good. Because feeling, Galatians 5, 16 says, I say that walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Feeling good involves your emotion. If I feel this way, then it must be good. But doing good ain't gonna feel good. Looks like so we have to we have to cooperate with the transformation process. It's not easy. It's not gonna come. But I want to challenge you. After all this has been said and done, do something different. We've been talking about think kind, speak kind, be kind. You do something different. I know it's uncomfortable, but if you don't if you don't move into a space of being uncomfortable, then you are not going to see the new that God wants to do in your life in this next season.
you, you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and say, God, okay, use me. We want to put stipulations on how God uses us. And we can't. It's whatever God wants to do. Here I am. Use me. And then you'll see God transform us into that body that he wants. Give us a heart for one another. Help, help cultivate them relationships. There might be somebody, and you ain't got to go to them now or right now because it'll be too obvious. But, you know, at some point, embrace somebody that you found it hard to embrace. In the ministry. Not, not outside. In, in the ministry. Because love starts at home. Right? And then you'll see, you'll see a transformation not just happen within our body, but within you. And you'll find it easy. Here's what happened. And we're closing. When you begin to get transformed by the power of God, and when you open yourself up to being uncomfortable, you won't be offended nearly as half, half as much. People won't get on your nerves half as much. Because you'll, you'll be able to be toler, tolerant and you'll be able to be compassionate and merciful with other people's transformation process. Because we're all being transformed. Right? Montreal is not the same person I met over 10 years ago. And, and even though change may be slow in somebody else's eyes with, with whatever you're going through, it's nobody's place to put a time stamp on your transformation process. Because God is long-suffering. He's patient and he's kind. And, you know, I, I hear it so, so long, and I've asked myself that question myself. How long, Lord? How long, like Jesus, how long do I have to suffer with them? If God can suffer with us all our life, who are we to not be patient with one another? And then we'll see change, amen? So, Father, we thank you right now for the transformation process. Help us to think different so that we can act different and so that we can be different. That we'll be the salt of the earth, a light that is set on a hill. And that when men see us, they see you. We're not where we would like to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be. And God, in your special timing, will come forth as pure gold. And for that, we tell you thank you. Give God some praise. Amen. Is there anybody in here under the sound of my voice that is not saved? Amen. We all going to heaven. We all going to see each other for eternity. 